I want to welcome you to week six of our look together through the book of Acts, day one. And this week six, as we look through Acts chapter by chapter, this is our last week of looking through the book of Acts. So you are going to finish the study as we walk with Paul together this week, as he gets closer and closer to the center of government power in that day, to Rome, to preaching the gospel in Rome. But he's not there yet. We're still in Acts chapter 24. And in Acts chapter 24, Paul, you might remember from last week, has been arrested. He's been taken from Jerusalem to Caesarea, from the Jewish capital to the center of Roman power in Israel. In many ways, it's like going from a local court to now he's gone to the federal district court to hear the trial of what's going to happen to the Apostle Paul. And you have all the characters in this trial, in this moment of drama in Paul's life in Acts chapter 24. You have Felix, the governor, who is the judge in this trial. You have Ananias, the high priest, and Tertullius, his lawyer. And then with all these powerful people, you have Paul, who ends up, you're going to see, defending himself, as people often did in that day. Listen to what happens. In Acts chapter 24, verse 1, five days later, the high priest Ananias went down from Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullius, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. And what do they charge him with? They charge him with inciting riots. They charge him with just being, in general, a troublemaker. And after they make their charges, Paul has an opportunity to speak. And so down in verse 10, when the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, and so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone in the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges that they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. And so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. So here you have Paul giving his defense before Felix. Now, what's Felix going to do? What's the judge going to decide? Paul says they have no evidence. I'm just being charged with being a follower of the way. You remember from last week, the, the way means a believer, a follower in Jesus. It's how they were referred to in this day. What's Felix going to do? In verse 22, here's his decision. And then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. And he ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul, and he listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. And so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Now to me, in Acts chapter 24, the two words that, that are the most striking are those words, two years. Here's Paul in prison for two years, stuck in prison for two years. When life gets stuck, what do you do? 
Paul's example here shows us exactly what to do. When life gets stuck, and by the way, there's all kinds of stuck. Life gets stuck in routine ways, in temporary ways, sometimes in permanent ways. Sometimes you get in the routine stuck. That's in the doctor's office or a line in a store or a traffic jam, and you're stuck and you're frustrated. Sometimes you're in the temporary stuck place. It could be weeks or months, and you just can't seem to get moving trying to get a business deal going or trying to get a job or trying to make a relationship work or a dream come about or a plan come into being, and you're just stuck. Nothing is going anywhere. Some of you, you live in the place of you're permanently stuck with something. For the rest of your life, you're going to live with that health problem. For the rest of your life, you're going to live with that grief. For the rest of your life, you're going to live with that loss. For the rest of your life, you're going to live with something that limits you in some way. And you're, in one sense, feeling stuck by that. What do you do when life gets stuck? Paul here is stuck in prison for two years for none other than just political reasons. Felix wanted to please the Jews because Rome in that day, they kept peace by political power first and only used military might as a last resort. And so Felix wanted by political power to get some favors from the Jews. And so he's going to use Paul as a political pawn to do that. That's what he thinks he is. And Paul could easily have thought himself just a victim of politics. Imagine a guy like the Apostle Paul who wanted to go places and do things and preach the good news and be traveling. Imagine what this did to him. What do you do when life gets stuck? When you feel for for whatever reason you can't move forward, you can't move backward, you're just stuck where you are. What do you do? These next couple of days, we're going to look at some things that Paul did that helped me, that helped you to know what to do when you're feeling like you're on the shelf like life is stuck, because the truth is it isn't. God can work even when we feel stuck. God can be using us even when we feel like we're on the shelf. So what do you do when you feel that way? Number one, the first example Paul gives us is you put your confidence in God. You just keep putting your confidence in God because you realize that God is greater than anything that has you stuck. All throughout this experience that we're going to read with Paul, He continues to talk about his confidence in God, to trust in him, to trust in his promises. He never goes away from that confidence because he's somewhere he does not want to be. God's plans, listen, God's plans are not being held hostage by your circumstances. How do I know that God has a plan for you? Because he has a plan for every one of us. God has a plan for your life and for my life, and those plans are not being held hostage by your circumstances. How do you know, how can you hold on to that fact that God has a plan for you? You look behind you and you look in front of you. You look behind you and you realize that all of God's servants have become stuck at one time or another. Moses was stuck out in the desert for 40 years. Israel was stuck in Egypt in slavery for over 400 years. David was stuck in exile. Daniel was stuck in Babylon his entire life. Paul is here stuck in prison for two years. Joseph is stuck as a slave for 13 years. Hannah waited for a child stuck year after year. Every one of God's servants at some point felt stuck. So you look behind you and you realize feeling stuck does not mean God has stopped using you and that his plan for your life has stopped. You never think that God's delays are God's denials. You look behind you. Then you also look in front of you. Jeremiah tells us that God has plans to give you a future and a hope in Jeremiah 29, 11. You look in front of you and the plans that God has for you in this world and into all eternity. And because of that, the first thing you do when you're stuck is you put your confidence in God. The second thing you do when you're feeling stuck is you don't try to manipulate your way out. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I get stuck, the first place that I look to get me unstuck is my own energy, my own plan. I try to figure out a solution, and then that doesn't work. And then I get more frustrated, so I try harder to figure out a solution, and then that doesn't work. And pretty soon I get stuck on being stuck. I'm not thinking about anything else but the fact that I'm stuck. That's what happens when you're trying to manipulate your own way out. And the problem is, of course, we're starting in the wrong place. You don't start with you, you start with him. Paul, instead of trying to manipulate his way out of this, he could have given a bribe. He could have tried to get a bribe. Instead, he just keeps speaking the truth, even though he might have tried to bribe or lie his way out. The problem is this. When we manipulate ourselves out of a situation, we're doomed to repeat the same situation, the same process over and over and over again. I'm not saying you shouldn't try in some physical way to get out of a traffic jam or try in some physical way to solve a problem at work. You know the difference between a problem that can be solved and something you're stuck with that you just can't solve on your own. And when you're facing one of those situations, you go to God and say, God, I'm not going to lie to get out of this. God, I'm not going to let go of my character to get out of this. Because if you do that, you're going to go through the same process again and again and again. You don't use manipulation to get out of it. Paul refused to do that. First of all, you put your confidence in God. Secondly, you don't manipulate. And the third thing you can do, I can do when I'm feeling stuck, is you choose to serve others. When you get stuck, when you feel stuck, it's easy to have a pity party, to change the focus and put it all on you. To get unstuck from that feeling you turn the focus back on others. You do what God's called you to do. Even if you have to do it in a different way, you serve while you're feeling stuck. You don't wait to serve while you're feeling stuck. Someday I'll do something good again. No, you serve even when you're feeling stuck. Paul continued to serve even when he was in prison. He continued to meet with his friends, we just read, even while he was in prison. In fact, in one prison, he was even chained to the guards later in his life. And even being chained to the guards, he kept telling them about the good news of Christ and won those guards that he was chained to, to faith in Christ. He served even his captors. You continue to serve others even when you're feeling stuck. Now, tomorrow we're going to take a look at some more lessons from Paul on what to do when we're feeling this way in life. But as we close today, I want to just take a few minutes to pray for you and where you are, the circumstance you're facing right now today. Let's pray together. Jesus, when we feel stuck, you know, we just want to get out. That's what we focus on. Lord, I pray you'd help us today to put a focus on you so that we can put our confidence in you, so that we can look to you for strength instead of using some manipulation to try to get out of it. It's just going to get us more stuck in the end. So that we can, Lord, think about others and not just ourselves. Lord, I pray that instead of focusing so much on the circumstance that it seems to be the only thing in our lives, help us today to focus on you to realize who you are, that you're there no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray for this. Amen. Amen.